reprehensible murder of Tyree Nichols continues, there's a new constituency who has suddenly discovered their scruples and outrage. The white media, the main ones who have been defending and encouraging the culture of anti-black violence by the police from day one. Because now the white media is trying to act like they never knew. The cops routinely tell ridiculous lies in their police reports, especially after they kill someone. The police lie, and they lie big. But the white media never seems to notice this until the latest incident that's just happened in Memphis. Now that it's five black cops we're talking about, well, the white media has suddenly realized there's a problem here. You can tell that the talking points that the white media uses are in fact done and created in direct coordination with the thugs in blue because both the police and the white media use the exact same verbiage. The public isn't qualified to second-guess the police. The police have split seconds to make a decision on whether or not to kill someone. We cannot rush to judgment. We have to wait for all the facts to come out. Why the victim had a prior record, or if the victim didn't have a prior record, well, just not say anything about them. You can't blame the police. It's their training, you see. It's the training to blame, not the police. The white media has repeated those lies, chapter and verse, every single time, except with this latest incident in Memphis. We're not hearing any of the BS and lies that we typically hear the other 99.9% of the time. And these narratives from the white media are dangerous because narratives are the way that people get indoctrinated. And indoctrination is very difficult to break. But as we've consistently seen, the white media never pulls out the talking points when the officers accused of wrongdoing are black. When the officer's black, it's never the training that's to blame. Black officers are never afraid for their lives under any circumstances, apparently. Black officers don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, so it's okay to judge them right away. Now, I'm not defending the thugs in Memphis. They were absolutely in the wrong, and that's that. But what I'm talking about is how the white media never uses their the police are immune from the law talking points whenever they accuse the black. They have no problem dumping on the officers in Memphis because they're not white. Predictably, false news, I mean, uh, Fox News, has been the worst offender. But that hasn't been for lack of trying by the rest of the white media. Both the white left and white right medias play off of each other and work together to push a coordinated narrative. The white right media boldly defends all acts of anti-black violence by the police, while the white left media boldly lectures the public that it will be impossible to convict. They just give nothing but nonstop sympathy for the devil. It's a narrative that they never do at any other time. When Mohammed Noor killed Justine Demond, it was a pitch dark night, and she came walking out of the darkness up a side pathway up to the police car. That was a legitimate case of someone afraid for their life. Having received a phone call that there was an intruder on the premises and seeing some dark shape coming out of the darkness towards them, Mohammed Noor was a genuine instant of someone who had a split instant to make a decision. But nobody from Fox nor anywhere else in the white media ever said, well, he only had a split second to act, and if Justine Demond had simply stayed in her home, nobody does that. The white media trash that you see on Twitter, they weren't defending Mohammed Noor at all. They weren't saying that, well, the cops are damned if they do and dead if they don't. None of the racist trash that we always see defending police killing black people, none of them was saying that Mohammed Noor was being prosecuted as a war on cops. None of them were talking about war on cops stuff when he was getting prosecuted. Nobody was saying that, well, if this guy gets prosecuted, every cop in the city should go on strike. Or, well, this is the reason why nobody should want to be a cop. They didn't do that with Mohammed Noor. They did not say, well, police are just resigning from the Minneapolis Police Department, and after the case of Mohammed Noor, who can blame them? They're not doing that. These are white supremacists who are defending anti-black violence, and the white media has been helping lead the charge. 
bootlegs and shills and other assorted human filth on cable and in print will never say the words that I just said because they're all complicit with it. Nobody in the white media is saying qualified immunity when describing the Memphis police. Nobody in the white media is saying that those officers were afraid for their lives. Nobody in the white media is saying that those officers have been overcharged. Oh, these charges are just too high. Uh, the DA was clearly bending to public pressure and they've just put charges on them that can't actually be sustained in court. Nobody in the white media is saying that the burden of proof is so high that the prosecutors probably won't be able to prove manslaughter, much less murder. They're not doing that the way they do with every other instance when white cops kill black people. The white media coverage of the thugs in Memphis who murdered Tyree Nichols has been the exception to the rule. That, of course, is intentional. The white media is using the black officers in this case as an opportunity to reinforce their conditioning of the public that the only time that the police are to be questioned or doubted or punished is if they're black. It's okay to go ahead and do it then. Other than that, they must be believed. And even when you prove they lie, it doesn't matter. Nothing should be done about it. Jeffrey Jerkum Tubin was the main one talking about how juries trust the police and how cops are so beloved by juries and the public. That was his justification for why the police shouldn't be punished for murdering black people. But ever since the trend started that the cops finally get punished, you haven't seen Jeffrey Tubin or any of the other white media talking heads pushing that lie. When Tamir Rice was murdered, the white cop who killed him falsely claimed that they had gotten out of their police car and walked up to Tamir Rice and that they were trying to reason with them, but the young child had become argumentative with them for, well, reasons, and that there were other people around and the police were just trying to protect them and they tried to reason with this child, but he just became belligerent and, and then the video came out and proved that every word of that report was a lie. But what punishment followed? None. When Walter Scott was murdered by Michael Slager, Slager lied and claimed that Scott had gotten into a fistfight with him and grabbed his taser. And then the video came out showing that he shot a fleeing Walter Scott in the back eight times, then walked over and dropped his taser beside the corpse of the man that he just murdered. Jason Van Dyke killed Laquan McDonald in cold blood, but his police report lied about the entire incident. Then Mayor Rahm Emanuel and the state's prosecutor, Anita Alvarez, helped to cover up the murder. And they fought tooth and nail to make sure that the truth remained covered up. But the video finally made it public, and everyone could see that Van Dyke and the other thugs with badges in Chicago thoroughly lied about the murder of Laquan McDonald. Derek Chauvin claimed that George Floyd had been resisting arrest. And the Minneapolis police, as well as the white media, ran with that line. They repeated Derek Chauvin's lies chapter and verse. That is, until the cell phone video became public. When Breonna Taylor was murdered, the Louisville police perjured themselves with a fraudulent affidavit, claiming that the post office had verified that Breonna had been receiving strange packages at her apartment. And then the investigation showed that the post office said the exact opposite, that there had never been any suspicious packages sent to Breonna's home. The police lied about that, just like they lied about the attack they carried out at her residence, falsely claiming that they had been fired upon first when the accounts of the neighbors refute that. Now you have the white media trying to act like the hero of the story, like the police chief in Casablanca pretending not to know that there was gambling going on at a casino. The white media is acting like this incident in Memphis has finally brought to light the sudden realization that the police have been lying on all of these reports about these killings they carry out. Why? It seems like every single report that the police file when they kill someone is nothing but a pack of lies. This Memphis incident censures it. It proves it. 
But apparently the white media didn't realize that until these five black cops did it. After decades of ignoring the police's false reports and the last 10 years in particular, when the white media has categorically refused to even acknowledge the police reports having been total lies, they're now acting like something about this incident in Memphis has been so shocking, so outrageous, that at long last they've noticed a pattern. But they won't be demanding that all of these prior incidents, like the murder of Tamir Rice and Breonna Taylor, be investigated and punished. There's not going to be any white media companies decide, let's do an expose about this, make this front page news, let's make an issue out of this. All these cops getting away with murder and lying on these reports, why there ought to be some laws. That's something that a lot of white media people do, a lot of white journalists, they like to try to get Pulitzer Prizes and such by showing that the stories that they write result in legislation. That's one of the main ways that you get yourself a Pulitzer. When you can prove that your reporting has made it so high that the legislators feel like they got to write laws, that's usually like the perfect ending to some sort of journalistic expose series, whether it be about dirty water or about war or what have you. It always ends with laws being passed, except the white media is not doing this here. Oh, no, 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 we don't want any tightening of the laws, and we certainly don't want anyone to go to prison. Well, except for these five black cops, it's okay for them to go to prison. They want to make it clear that these black officers are to be made the face of police misconduct and that there's no need to look any further than them when it comes to talking about punishment. We can just start and stop in Memphis with this incident. The white media wants to have it both ways. But then again, that's exactly what Neely Fuller said their MO is. Well, we in the black grassroots have always known that you didn't need to wait until the murder of Tyree Nichols to know that the police <laughs> lie on their reports all the time. We see this pattern in practice by police across the board and across the country. And virtually every single case where the public has actually examined what happened after the police kill a person, it's almost always found that the police's reports have been a pack of lies. <coughs> but you didn't have to wait until this incident to know that. There's been case after case after case where the police have been caught in out-and-out lies, but the same white media who has aggressively ignored every single instance of police lying about killing a black person are now suddenly intrigued with this case because the officers involved are black. So if they go down, genetic immunity from law will still be maintained. Black cops don't have a license to kill. They're certainly not allowed to kill people from the dominant society, that's for sure. Only white supremacist cops can count on having that immunity from law, and the white media is fully dedicated to maintaining it. Keep in mind, white supremacy believes in taking both sides of the conversation. The white media's sudden interest in discussing how police lie in their reports isn't because they discovered religion. It's because the officers in this case are black, and they want to make sure that they limit any sort of scrutiny to them. So they'll push the narrative that this is the absolute worst incident of police violence ever, and that these thugs are far worse than the ones who beat Rodney King or Derek Chauvin and his co-conspirators who murdered George Floyd, and that there's never been a case where police have lied so egregiously on their reports until this case. Because the perpetrators in this case are black, it's okay to go ahead and say that something needs to be done. It's okay not to defend them, because you can go ahead and limit it to them. And that way, the next Derek Chauvin, or the next Daniel Pantaleo, or the next Michael Slager can kill a black person and the white media gets to go right back to defending them, without skipping a beat. The Blue Lives Matter crowd are hiding at the moment. You're not hearing any of them saying Blue Lives Matter this week. The same racist trash from the police unions who trip over their bacon-shaped shoelaces to defend the killings of black people are nowhere to be found now. Same way that they were nowhere to be found when Mohammed Noor was accused of killing a white woman. And we can't forget about the two black cops in Louisiana who have been accused and convicted of killing a white child during an arrest of his father in a vehicle. 
Suddenly, the white media's police experts who constantly tell the public it's difficult to prosecute the police and you can't question use of force guidelines. The police can't be questioned. All of a sudden, they're nowhere to be found because the white media is very careful to make sure that they never apply those excuses to black cops. They can't afford to. Ashley Bennett took part in an insurrection. This woman <coughs> tried to attack a Capitol Hill police officer inside the U.S. Capitol. He ordered her not to try to come through that broken door, and she charged through anyway. She ignored his commands, and what happened happened. But nobody's saying, well, if only she had complied, he had split seconds to react. He was afraid for his life. He had this white supremacist mob coming through the door, and here he is, a black man, all by himself. No, we didn't hear that. Whether it's the racist white media or the racist online, many of whom are one and the same, they understand the purpose of the lies they tell. It is to preserve a white supremacist license to kill, but also to preserve the idea that a black person has no right to defend themselves. Times like this, they can also remind all those black cops that you don't have the same ability to kill with impunity that white police officers have. Already you see the white racists online thinking themselves clever by saying that these five thugs in Memphis being indicted, well, that proves the system works. Actually, it doesn't. If the system worked, then the murderer of Tamir Rice would be rotting in prison right now. If the system actually worked, Daniel Pantaleo would be in prison right now for murdering Eric Garner. If the system actually worked, Betty Shelby would be in a cage right now, right alongside Geronimo Yanez, who murdered Philando Castile. This case simply proves what we've always known to be the truth, that these white prosecutors and judges don't let black people get away with the same things that white offenders are allowed to do. It didn't take weeks of protests and massive rallies to get those five black cops in Memphis indicted. It didn't take lawsuits either. It didn't take massive media attention. All it took was a request for the video. And one thing the white media hasn't talked about is, why is it that white society hasn't been up in arms about how the police have been killing people? In Arizona in particular, the police have been killing people, largely white people, with impunity. There was a case not too long ago where police in Arizona mistakenly arrested a white man who was out driving with his family. The cops said that they thought that his license plate was expired, even though they were so far away and the angle of the car was such that they couldn't possibly have seen his license plate. But still, they accosted this white man, they beat him up, and they even used their taser on his genitals. They did this in front of his children. Now, white society will reluctantly admit that the police have been flagrantly breaking the law, but what I want to know is, when is the white media going to ask why white society weren't the ones who began the process and the movement to demand police be punished? And while it's true that there have been some white activists who have been involved in police reform movements, the truth of the matter is they have not had widespread support from the white public. This is something that the white media needs to be asking serious questions about. And while it's true that there have been a lot of white people who have been taking part in marches and protests during these black demonstrations, the question is, where were they before now? They didn't have to wait until George Floyd got killed to protest police violence. After all, as the white right never gets tired of telling us, police harm more white people than black, though not by very much. The question is, why has police accountability had to wait until black people moved and demanded it? Is it because people outside the black community wanted to do something, but they were scared to do so? So they were waiting for black people to do something so they would finally have cover to push for it. And why is that? Well, you have to understand the function that the police actually serve in American society. 
The police happen to be the group who put teeth behind the laws. The laws in American society are deliberately written to structure the society along lines of racial privilege, but no system of oppression can exist without the credible threat of violence behind it. You have to force compliance with an unjust system. And that's where the police come in. When people think that the status quo benefits them, of course, they're going to be angry if they see people from their own group going against it. Perhaps that's the reason why, even though the police have been harming more white people, we haven't been seeing large numbers of white people taking part in or organizing protests against police violence until they saw black people doing it. Then they could go into those protests and say, well, we're simply supporting black people's right to live without police violence. And the truth is, there are actually a lot of them scared to admit that they wanted to protest the police, but doing something like that wouldn't make them very popular in their own community. So instead, it becomes a matter of, well, we're just taking part in this protest over here with these guys. We're trying to stick up for them. I mean, there's no problem in our community, seriously. And the white media aren't the only ones who are not talking about police reform. Jim Crow Joe hasn't said a word about his much ballyhooed police accountability commission. You know, the one that he campaigned on back in 2020. But as soon as he took the oath of office, he immediately said, ah, oh, that presidential level police accountability commission, I ain't doing it. Um, Congress can get around to it, but I'm not, I've got too much to do. Don't expect to hear anything from him on this. All these instances where the white media is forced to admit, well, the police have been lying on all these reports, but Jim Crow Joe's not going to do anything about it. And neither is that pathetic empty suit in the Injustice Department, Merrick Garland, the so-called Civil Rights Division. Now, they're not going to be looking at this and go, wait a minute, all these police departments doing this mess, something's got to be done to crack down on these scumbags. Not going to be happening. And all of you simple-minded Negroes who decided to vote for Joe Biden saying that he was going to actually do something, he was going to be different, take a bow. Because you've got to have some real next-level naivete and stupidity to have fallen for that, to have been so gullible, to have been suckered like that. Up until very recently, the only cops who actually got arrested and punished for harming people were black. And it didn't take massive demonstrations or arm wrestling with the police in the DA's offices to get it done either. All it took was for them to harm a non-black person and the gears of the courts began to turn instantly. Well, that's not justice. That's racial privilege. No matter what the white media may try to claim, unless and until the people who the courts have always excluded from prosecution finally start getting punished, then at best, whatever happens in Memphis will be just another exception to the rule. Good day and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Wesley Monroe, Nancy, Stone Thug Music, Jesse Good, and Najee95. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. Hayes here. Nene downstairs. Got my brother from another mother, Lasmore. Got some new content I'm about to share with you. I hope you enjoy it because I'm sure I will.
All right, he has another. It's time to talk about the police, right? Not exactly. The white media realizes that talking about any police harming black people, even if the thugs with badges who do it are black themselves, well, that would immediately bring us back to the vast majority of black people who were killed by white cops. So they don't want to talk about that. We see the white media on the left leading the charge to try to get out in front of this one. They see that this train's left the station and that people are already talking about it's time to punish the police. Why even Jim Crow Joe has been forced to make some insincere noises about it. They have to make it about something other than the police, though. Notice how the white media is not bringing out the family of Tyree Nichols. They're not really, they're not really eager to talk to them. Instead, they decide to bring on the police, or in this case, an ex-cop. This is a member of Congress, by the way, and the folks over at MSNBC wanted to make it clear that the fix was in. Now, in this case, it was the usual suspect, the morning schmo, I mean, morning Joe show, that decided to do the dirty work. Though, of course, it was a group sport. I want you to remember that after Tamir Rice was murdered, it was Joe Scarborough and Mika the Bigot Brzezinski who went on TV and blamed Tamir Rice for his own murder. They could not wait to shamelessly repeat the Cleveland PD's claims that the orange tip had been removed from the toy gun. Of course, still waiting for the evidence on that. But Scarborough and Brzezinski were pushing that line hard as hell, talking about parental responsibility the whole nine yards. And then the video came out, and it showed that the police skidded to a halt and shot that child dead within three seconds. But Scarborough and Brzezinski's eagerness to push the police line, they did that without, uh, how do these white supremacists put it? Oh, yes, before all the facts could come out. But when the facts did come out, they validate what the black public says and shoot down the lies from the police. Now, who they brought on was some creep named Anthony Deposito. This guy is your usual NYPD punk. He gets in front of the cameras, and he makes it a point to be as surly and unfriendly as possible. The cops probably told themselves that that looks tough. It actually looks as if this is just an angry male Karen. And Deposito, when he was asked about the murder of Tyree Nichols, the first lie that this clown came out with was, well... Good cops hate bad cops. Well, I'll start with this. There is uh, nobody that dislikes a bad cop more than good cops. Um, so let, let's focus there. His first lie was that good cops hate dirty cops. First of all, where the hell is the evidence of these mythical good cops? Where are they at? When Derek Chauvin murdered George Floyd, there were three other police standing around watching and stopping the public from intervening. None of them arrested Derek Chauvin afterwards. So out of four police at the scene, which one of them was the good one? None of them testified against Chauvin. None of them even made a statement against him. They all backed him up. The Minneapolis Police Department, you'll recall, took Chauvin's side. Remember, initially they released a statement that repeated all the Chauvin's lies, and they continued to back Chauvin up 
until that video came out. If that young woman hadn't had her cell phone out and recorded the murder of George Floyd, then the Minneapolis Police Department would still be lying to this day and say that George Floyd died from an overdose and that he was resisting arrest and all the rest of that bull crap. An entire police department lie. So where are the good cops in Minneapolis at? When Daniel Pantaleo strangled Eric Garner to death, there were at least three other police around helping him do it. None of them intervened. None of them made a statement against him. So where were the good cops at then? When Betty Shelby murdered Terrence Crutcher, there were at least three other police beside her. None of them arrested her. None of them made a statement against her. The police department took her side and repeated her lies. So where were the good cops at then? When Jason Van Dyke murdered Laquan McDonald, there were at least two other police who were on the scene of the murder. Neither one of them arrested Van Dyke. Neither one made a statement against him either. And the Chicago PD told lie after lie to protect Van Dyke. They backed up all of his lies, even though they had the evidence against him. And they kept doing it until the video was finally made public. So where were all these good cops at? When Timothy Lohman murdered Tamir Rice, his partner in the squad car did nothing. Didn't arrest him and never made a statement against him. So where are these good cops at? When Kim Porter murdered Dante Wright, there were at least two other police officers on the scene. Neither of them arrested her. None of them gave a statement against her. So where were these good cops at then? I could go on and on and on, but I think the point is made. You can't have a nonstop litany of police murdering people while other cops stand around and then claim the good cops hate the bad ones. We find tons of examples of the bad cops, but it's real scarce to find those good ones. The so-called good cops have had every chance there is to prove that they hate bad cops. And so far, there's no examples of these good cops doing or even so much as saying anything. See, when you're on the wrong side of the issue, you have to lie. You don't have any other choice. But never forget, of all of the racists on white left media, Scarborough and Brzezinski are among the worst. But also never forget, whatever racist crap they spew, it's because their white media bosses at NBC want it out there. But I think what we saw in this video is that we need to take a hard look at uh, training across this nation and make it uh, standardized. Uh, I think that's important to keep our community safe and it's important to keep uh, the members of service safe. So Congressman, I hear you on that and I've heard many other people say that, but do you really need training to know not to beat a man within an inch of his life as he's laying on the ground? What training would have changed what we saw there? Well, I think that there's uh, what's happening right now is unfortunately many departments are lowering their standards, you know, and it's because uh, of the attack from the far left on law enforcement and the job uh, that people do each and every day. Uh, we've seen it. Uh, I'll use my department of the, the NYPD as an example. I mean, this year alone, we've seen the rec record amount of exits. It was beyond awkward the way that this clown tried to shoehorn his pre-canned talking points into this discussion. He sounded as if he was having a totally different conversation because he was. What he was saying had nothing to do with the subject at hand. There's no way that they can put restrictions and punishments on the black police officers without also putting the infrastructure in place to punish the white ones. They need to limit this only to what happened in Memphis. That's the goal. That's the point they have to reach. But the black grassroots have made that impossible. So now the goal has shifted to blaming the victim. This DePazito clown was trapped, and he knew it. So he started spewing gibberish about leftists attacking the police. Uh, tell me something, did the murder of Mr. Nichols have anything to do with the left at all? What did that have to do with leftists attacking the police? It was the police attacking citizens. Were leftists the reason that George Floyd was killed? 
Did leftists kill Atatiana Jefferson? Of course not. In order for something to qualify as an attack, you would first have to prove that the person or group being attacked hadn't done anything. You can't say that about the police. Deposito tried to say that it was about departments lowering their hiring standards since less thugs want to be in the police. But that's a lie. By the way, just to show how close this Deposito creep is to the white supremacist infrastructure, that talking point that he was using about lowering hiring standards, I've seen that a lot online, especially the last week or so, in relation to this killing. Now, obviously, these white supremacist trash were throwing that term around long before now, but the talking point has been especially used a lot for the last seven to ten days or so. And they say that, well, what happened in Memphis was the result of woke hiring. Woke hiring? Of course, woke is a euphemism for black. So you have a racist Republican congressman and an ex-thug with a badge is what he is, and he's claiming that the problem is training, he says. And then his racist pals online say that it's the hiring that's the problem. So which one is it? You know, on second thought, now that I think about it, maybe Deposito and these white supremacists are right. I mean, when you think about who it is that comprises the vast bulk of America's law enforcement personnel, and when you think about the fact that trash like Deposito made it into the NYPD, well, that's all the evidence you need to prove that these police departments have not merely lowered their standards for hiring. They don't have any standards to begin with. Deposito is the best argument for why police departments are clearly not hiring the best and brightest. Hiring in and of itself is actually a small issue. The big problem happens to be the internal culture of these police departments themselves, which Deposito is a prime example of. Correct. I mean, there have been departments uh, throughout this nation um, that have lowered standards because uh, they just don't have people knocking on the door to join the ranks. Uh, you know, there are departments uh, across this nation, and thankfully uh, they're not tons of them, but there are departments where uh, police officers go to work each and every day to patrol. Um, and, you know, they could be sharing a bulletproof vest with uh, other people that serve it. Now, he also tried to clean up his little lie afterwards by saying that he was talking about protective gear, like bulletproof vest, two cops, one vest. Gee, is that anything like two girls, one cup? It probably <laughs> is because both of them are full of crap. All the thugs who murdered Tyree Nichols, they had on vests. So what did Bulletproof Vests have to do with the killing of Tyree Nichols? Would it have stopped it from happening? What did Vests even have to do with it? Would a Bulletproof Vest have stopped Derek Chauvin from murdering George Floyd? Aaron Dean had a Bulletproof Vest on the night he murdered Tatiana Jefferson. Amber Geiger, ditto. Michael Slager and every other white supremacist piece of trash who's murdered a black person. So why even bring up Vests? This is what happens when you come on a show with a head full of talking points and you're so determined to say these So I'm just going to get this in here whether they like it or not. You don't even consider the fact that what you're saying is irrelevant. The lesson here is if you're going to lie, at least make sure it has something to do with the subject at hand. But you'll notice that neither Willie Geist nor anyone else, at least the white panelist on Morning Joe, checked Deposito on that. Nobody pointed out that his lie made no sense because this wasn't about examining the issue. This was a pre-canned segment that was supposed to push a narrative. But this racist puke Deposito fears is punishment. When he talks about police leaving New York, fleeing the state, he's mostly talking about the NYPD. In fact, that's pretty much the only ones. You don't see cops in the LAPD fleeing anywhere. The NYPD has at least 30,000 thugs in their employ. 
even if you had thousands of them leave, that's only a small part of the overall force. So what this Disposito creep is talking about has been a talking point bandied about by the right. You got a bunch of guys, many of them close to retirement or what have you, and they've been talking about going to Florida because that's where New Yorkers go. From Donald Trump to the crooks in the NYPD, TVA talked about that in one of his documentaries, talking about snowbirds, all of those New Yorkers who happen to go down to Florida. That's where so many of them retire to. So there's a direct pipeline between New York and Florida. That means nothing. And what he's talking about is a local phenomenon in New York, not a national one. But that's how he's going to try to talk about it. Oh, this is happening everywhere. No, it's not. The thugs in the NYPD are fleeing to Florida in the desperate hopes that they can escape being extradited back to New York. They're running from punishment because they know the people are looking into the files of all these dirty cops and asking, hey, we need to put some cases on some people. And another thing, why is it that all the dirty punks in the NYPD are a bunch of hunchbacks like this Deposito clown, this no-neck-having, homunculus-looking, squatting-over, Quasimodo scumbag? Apparently, you have to be both mentally and physically deformed in order to make it into the NYPD. Nice to know. What Deposito doesn't like is that the public is cracking down on dirty cops. And we see all these criminals who are running scared. We can see who the dirty cops are. They're fleeing. But they're not scared enough from what we're seeing today. Driving the dirty cops out of town is exactly what's called for here. The only cops who don't like rules are the dirty ones. Good cops don't mind rules because they know that they haven't broken any. Which explains why this Deposito clown left the NYPD dirty as he surely is. Cracking down on the police is not a problem. It's the solution. Which explains why a bloated inbred like this Deposito creep hates it. Deposito's not angry. He's scared. He's wondering how long it will be before someone finally gets around to examining his service record at the NYPD. Because dirty cops like himself, they are the main ones who have the easiest cases put on them. The only thing more pathetic than the liars who try to run interference for the thugs in blue are creeps like Deposito who try to make the violent thugs in the police out to be victims somehow. These crimes keep happening because the police are shielded from accountability within the police departments and they're shielded from punishment outside the departments. And where the white media is concerned, they're even shielded from mere criticism. These white supremacists in these police departments are so weak, so fragile, so pathetic. Oh, they are just the most delicate little snowflakes. You can't even talk about them without it being the end of their lives. So what possible purpose does it serve to have cowards like this around anywhere? Most acts of violence are motivated by fear. And it's hard to find a more craven, more timid, more cowardly, more frightened, and less courageous group of criminals than the police. Two years ago, the police's violence finally provoked the outrage from the public that so many had warned was coming. And across the country, people took their cities and neighborhoods back from these taxpayer-funded street gangs. And before it was all over, the very criminals who claimed that they would never bend the knee to the woke mob, before it was all over, they were forced to take a knee. Well, now we see that they think that just enough time has passed that they can try to see if they can slither their way back to the old normal, if they can tiptoe their way back to the old normal. And the white media is going all in to try to help them do it. Clearly, they didn't learn the lesson of 2020. These acts of terrorism won't be allowed. And since the DAs and federal prosecutors are refusing to apply the law, the public will make sure that justice is done and public safety is assured. Only this time, instead of letting them get away with just taking a knee, the public is going to bring the violent thugs in the police departments to their knees. 
Obviously, this putrid segment on MSNBC was a pre-planned hit piece. They would bring on a Republican who they knew had been a thug in both the NYPD and the New York Fire Department, which is just as racist as the NYPD, by the way. And they would let him on and let him say whatever gibberish he wanted. It's not the police's fault. Don't punish the police. It must be these woke mobs. Nowhere in this entire waste of time and money did anyone mention police accountability or responsibility. Nobody did that. This entire segment read like it was written by Patrick Lynch and other criminals in the NYPD. Don't go kidding yourself. They put this scumbag on the air because this is the message they want out there. They knew what he was going to say. In fact, that's what they do with all these TV shows. They got their producers who do a pre-interview with the people that they're going to put on the air just to know what they're going to say. It's standard operating procedure for the white media. And you can tell because nobody challenged him on a single word of it. In fact, they reinforced it. The appropriately named Mike Barnacle, because a barnacle is absolutely useless as anything other than a parasite, this clown has also spouted all kinds of anti-black racism in the past. And on this particular show, he tried to outdo himself. So, Congressman, I don't think you'll get any argument here that the job of being a police officer in specific districts, specific cities, has never been tougher. You pull up to a call at 11 o'clock at night, uh, no matter the call, there's going to be at least six people there with their cell phones going to record what happens. Uh, the ocean of guns that are around in certain neighborhoods. A young black man was murdered, beaten to death. And this creep says that there's communities that are war zones and the real danger to police are videotaping them. If you videotape the police, that's the real danger. Why? The job's not getting any easier. We know that's a lie. Policing is one of the safest jobs in America. The Bureau of Labor Statistics established that. And by the way, killings of police are historic lows, not historic highs. But this is what Barnacle tried to say. You roll up to a scene at 11 o'clock at night and people are videotaping you. Nobody says, hey, if the police are obeying the law, they got nothing to worry about. How does someone videotaping the police cause them any problems? You're not putting your hands on them. You're not even talking to them. You're documenting what's going on. In that case, Mike Barnacle must really hate the idea of body cameras or dashboard cameras because body cameras and dashboard cameras merely do the same thing as a private citizen with a cell phone camera, except the difference is... When it comes time to hold the police accountable, they can hide, and they do hide the body cameras and the dashboard cameras. They hide those away or try to destroy them. You can't hide a private citizen's cell phone camera. They don't control those cameras, so that's the problem. It's a camera that they can't control, that the white media cannot control. If you think about the murder of Walter Scott, that wasn't the white media who brought that to light. It was a bystander who videotaped that murder. George Floyd, another bystander who videotaped the murder. It wasn't the cop's body cameras. It was a private citizen who got it. The murder of Tamir Rice. It wasn't a dashboard camera or a body camera that captured the murder. It was a security camera, one the police didn't control. At the end of all that, we do live in a nation where there is a lost legion of young men and boys who are living in combat zones, and they're largely African-American, and they have lost all respect, as well as their parents have, for, for policing, how difficult the job of policing is. What do we do about trying to convince young African-Americans and people of color in city after city that the police are there to help, not hurt or hinder? 
Barnacle's putting his racist creds on full display. Well, believe it or not, I actually agree with them to a point. There is a lost legion of men and boys out there who need help. But when you actually look at the stats in the news, you see it's not African-American men and boys. The ones who are lost are the Dylan Roofs, the Nicholas Cruzes, the Peyton Gendrys, the Ethan Crumbleys. Just last week, I reported on Gavin Smith, a 16-year-old who two years ago murdered his entire family, his mother, his stepfather, his own siblings, including his three-year-old brother. And I'll be here till five in the morning trying to list them all. See, there's your lost legion of men and boys that Mike Barnacle should be worried about, but he's not. They're the ones making it where you can't go to a movie theater, a grocery store, or even a church without it becoming a bloodbath. But Barnacle doesn't say anything about that. Apparently, he doesn't think that America's schools have become war zones, not because of African-American men and boys, but because of the Nicholas Cruzes and the Ethan Crumbleys. But apparently, Mike Barnacle, who's so concerned about public safety, he doesn't think that any of those things are a problem. Young men who cannot control their impulses or their behavior, that's a generation of youth who are a lost legion. It's because people like Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, and Anthony Deposito are the ones raising them, and people like Mike Barnacle are refusing to talk about them. But the real core of Barnacle's lie was the nonsense about how the black community can be made to trust the police. The damn <laughs> insult. This racist inbred decides that he's going to take the victims and say they're the ones to blame for all this. It is not the responsibility of the black community to prove that we trust the police. It is the responsibility of the thugs with badges to prove that they are trustworthy. But that's not what Mike Barnacle says. He turns everything backwards and inside out. Because you have to under white supremacy. You got to lie. Well, the, the black community, they need to, to, to start trusting the police. No, the police need to start proving that they are trustworthy. Notice how that never came up. Mike Barnacle did not say, what can the police do to prove that they are trustworthy? What can the police do to start actually earning the black community's trust? Because if you do that, if you actually ask that question, then you got to say, well, I suppose a good start would be you don't kill black people. You're not sitting here kneeling on someone's neck until they're dead. You're not shooting 12-year-old children in the park. You're not shooting mothers in their own homes. That would be a good start. But Mike Barnacle didn't say that. And nobody else on that panel did either. This is what the so-called left-leaning media is putting on the air. In the midst of this tragedy, this is what MSNBC sees fit to put on the air. This is the kind of slant that they want for this story. This segment was so full of lies and racism, you would have thought the clowns at OAN put it together. But this is MSNBC just two days ago. A black man murdered, and there's no discussion about what needs to be done to punish the police. Instead, the entire conversation is racial code words about how police have lowered their standards. Well, again, considering that Anthony DePizzito was in the NYPD, they probably got a point. And keep in mind, this racist creep is now in Congress. What kind of laws do you think that he's going to be pushing for? At the end of the segment, only Eugene Robinson chose to exercise more than two brain cells, and he asked Deposito to go ahead and explain his gibberish about lowering hiring standards, and Deposito was forced to admit it had absolutely nothing to do with this crime. I want to go back to your original point about whom police departments are hiring and why that might have changed. Is it? Do you have information that that was indeed a factor in what happened in Memphis, uh, that, that these were somehow uh, a 
unqualified people who became police officers or or um because uh, i'm not aware of of any reporting that suggests that no i don't have specific information that these individual uh, members of law enforcement were hired under any situation where the standards were lowered. Could they have been? Absolutely. What I'm saying is, is that across this nation, uh, we have seen that people, young people, young people who would have uh, been, had a great career in law enforcement. Did you uh, get all that? Well, as far as the hiring goes, I have no specific information about whether they were unqualified to be hired. But really, it could have been. I mean, it could have been. I don't have any information. I have nothing to back that up with. I'm just saying it because I'm not going to admit that I'm lying. But I mean, it like totally could have happened, though. So he admits that he's just making stuff up. But then again, you have to have an IQ lower than your shoe size if you didn't already realize that. Of course, what he said was irrelevant because it wasn't about relevance. It was just about getting the lies out there. It's just the same old white supremacist tactic of trying to get the racist bile out there into the airwaves. Let's try to find a way to get it to be part of the discourse. Let's at least get it out there. He just spouts this torrent of word salad. Something, something, hiring standards. Something, something, bulletproof vest. Uh, something, something, leftist attacks. Deposito comes off as exactly what he is. A very angry, very small, very stupid little man. You can tell he was just so eager to get his talking points on the air. He was probably sitting there just chewing his fingernails and just grinding his teeth. He says, I want to get on there. I'm going to say leftist attacks. I'm going to say they're lowering the standards when hiring people. I mean, I'm going to get this out there no matter what. You can tell that's exactly what he was thinking. He didn't even care about the questions. All he cared about was spouting his talking points. And it made him look like an idiot. Or rather, it made him look like a cop. He was vomiting out this stream of unrelated words and disconnected talking points that had nothing to do with each other or with the subject at hand. And out of all the people on that morning Joe panel, none of the white panelists checked Deposito on what were clearly nonsense and lies. Only the black man dared to show some common sense. We all know that MSNBC and CNN are trying hard to appeal to the Fox News crowd, and segments like this are part of that effort. Because sounds more like Sean Hannity than anything else. Just allow the liars to come on air and spew their talking points. The kind of lies that usually only get heard on Tucker Carlson. Except this time, don't debunk the lies. Just let them stand. This kind of crazy talk from Deposito belongs in a psych ward. But considering that the white media is the mouthpiece for white supremacy, I guess it makes sense. The white media is a madhouse. Well, family, it's time for us to do our part and tear the madhouse down to the ground. Good day and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Dee Tubman, Elaine Zanga Zanga, Aikigas Dorset, Nadia Nduku, and Jeffrey Williams. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you.